Happy Sunday and welcome to the Sunday Social Hour. On this episode, we speak with Dr. Carlia East, who is a clinical psychotherapist, licensed mental health counselor, motivational speaker, and author. She is the founding CEO of Smile Psychology Associates, LLC, and the executive director of Sapphire Women Pathways, which supports women offenders by providing pathways of counseling, education, and community growth. Dr. East is a clinical correspondent with Bay News 9 and Channel 10 News, along with being a proud member of Zeta Phi Beta Sorority. In addition, Dr. East is the author of two books, The Hangover, Overcoming Emotional Addiction, and Don't Wait for Love, Become L-O-V-E. Hey guys, welcome to the Sunday Social. I am with Dr. Carlia East, the Sapphire Diva, my number one baddie. Um, we're going to continue this conversation that we were just talking about. Um, this week, we're talking about mental health, and we were talking about relationships, and now we're just going to jump back into that conversation. So, yes, Mary J. Blige <laughs> relationships, pulling back those covers so that we can figure out what is happening underneath. Continue. Absolutely. I think that it's okay for <clears throat> women um, to be able to say that I'm okay about pulling back those covers, you know, and I, I gave you that analogy because I think about, you know, the, uh, Eddie Murphy was Marcus, Marcus, and <laughs> Marcus, and uh, Boomerang. And, you know, we, we laughed at how superficial and vain he was, you know, when he pulled back the feet. Um, put back the covers to check out the feet. And he was like, oh, man, she had hammer time in her feet. I can't be with her. She got hammer time in her feet. And, you know, we look at that and we laugh at it. But the reality is, is that as women, we have constantly been met with the struggle where we're not supposed to even admire the physical. We have to make sure that he provides and, you know, and, and is all that. And that's it. But I think women now in this generation and not even this generation, just in this period of time, I think all generations are becoming more woke to their physicalities and more woke to you know their their sexual attractiveness and we understand that it's okay for us to pull back the covers and say you know what nah this is something that i require in order for me to be happy in this relationship this is a a feature that i find attractive or unattractive this is a quality that i deem that i need in order to have this relationship not that i want i'm not needy i'm not saying i'm needy i'm saying i need these things in order for us to be in a relationship there's a difference i don't need to be in a relationship and i don't need you know to to be with you per se but if you are not going to do this <laughs> I need you to come to the table. So I think as women, we have to be okay about adopting some of those, I guess, for lack of a better word, masculine traits, right? Societal masculine stereotypical traits and being able to say, yeah, not only am I a boss chick in every way and I'm entrepreneur and I'm proud and I know how to cook and clean. I also know that there are certain things that I want to be attracted to with my mate, you know, male or female. These are things that I require. And so I think it's okay for us to be able to have that conversation. Yeah, yeah, and I definitely agree. That is one of the things that you taught me because, um, backstory, um, I met you when, when was it? 2017? <laughs> it was a long time ago. Yeah, like 18, 17? 17, I think. I think it was yeah. 2018, yeah. Yeah, 
and I was in a rough place and you really helped me figure out who I was as a person, not even as a woman, but just as a person, because I came mm -hmm. to you really broken and I didn't know, I didn't have no sense of identity, no sense of where I was going with my life in general. Right. And <clears throat> you- the Relationships were the devil. <laughs> relationships were the devil, yes. I remember sitting on your floor in the office and being like, I'm all done. I don't want to date anymore. I don't want to be with anybody. I want to be by myself. I'm mm -hmm. good. And you're like, let's pump the brakes, little one. Slow <laughs> down. Bring it back. <laughs> let's talk about this. Let's see what's going on here. And um, it was the most life-changing therapy I've ever experienced. One, because I had never had therapy with a Black woman. So mm -hmm. someone who looked like me, someone who had gone through experiences like me, and who understood me. And two someone who was not was in so many powerful positions you are an entrepreneur a professor an author a mom a, a wife like all the things that i had aspired and wanted to be in my life at that point you were already there doing mm -hmm. a business owner and i was like dang like we can have it we can have it all yeah. and you taught me that like it, it's not just in having it all. It's also in knowing who you are. Right. That you can have it all. Right. Because then your um, <laughs> definition of what having it all is yeah. changes. Because mm -hmm. when you are busy trying to um, put it like this, if you're busy trying to make sure that everybody has something that they can eat, you know, at uh, on the table, what have you prepared especially for you? Nothing. You've spent your whole entire day making sure that this person who had this allergy had this food type, this person that couldn't eat this ate that. You made sure everyone else ate because you are, in essence, picking from their pots, right? But when you get more into who you are as a woman, like you peel back the layers of mascara and clothing and even some of the layers of ethnicity, because we sometimes hide behind that yeah. um, because we don't want to really dive into where we are as women and how we feel about ourselves inside. So when you peel all that back, you'll find that once you get secure with who your baseline is, you don't even need to, first, you may not even want to sit at that table anymore. Number one, first of all, you might, might, live, you might be like, you know, I need a whole nother table to sit at. Let me build me a table because this ain't me. I don't even eat this, this food kosher. It. I don't eat kosher. Why was I over here preparing food that I don't even eat? You know, right. again, once you get into a space where you understand who you are, and what you're willing to do, like your deal breakers and your compromises, right? You know, I'm all about your deal breakers. All and your about compromises. that. Yes, you are. Once you figure out what those are, <clears throat> then what you require and what you need to sustain becomes different. You know, it's like I told women, there's a difference between being thirsty and hungry. <clears throat> those, are, those are two different women, two right. different women. A thirsty woman, no pun intended, will swallow whatever you put down her throat. Yep. She's thirsty. She cannot. She just wants anything. She's about to. She's famished. She will do anything for whatever. Yes, I will take it at whatever cost. A hungry woman. Hungry women are different. We have an urge, a craving. Okay. When you have a craving, you can decide how you want that craving to be quenched. You can decide satisfied. what you want to eat, how you want it exactly to be satisfied. 
And so therefore you are making choices as to how, how you want to feed that versus just taking and swallowing the Kool-Aid, right? Or anything that anyone gives to you. So I tell women, there's no problem with being hungry. Yeah. Always be hungry. You should always want to try a different type, should, you know, to put yourself in a different space. Mm-hmm. But it's having the control while you're in that space. It's having the control while you're sampling that different type or that different style. And I think that it's okay for women to understand that we do find ourselves in those categories and those are healthy places to be in, but to know the difference. And knowing the difference is what sets you up for success or sets you up for failure. Right. And it also is what led, yeah, and it it allows you to be very clear with other people about what you will and will not take, you know, that thing about boundaries, right? You know, self-love, self-care, you know, the Mm -hmm. power of no. Yeah. As a complete sentence. Mm -hmm. I said what I meant and I meant what I said. I said no. What I said. (laughs) I don't don't have to follow it up with a rationale or an explanation or to help you feel comfortable about my decision. No Mm -hmm. is a complete sentence. And so I think when we are able to understand what we're hungry for, and then make selective choices about how we're going to feed those needs, then we're also setting the tone for folk to understand, you just can't come in and scrap anything on my plate. I'm not just gonna eat off your leftovers and you can't come and mess up the recipe and come to me and expect me to fix it either because I'm over here turning my own butter. You get what I'm saying? I'm making my own, making my own cake over here. So I think all of that is very empowering. And you know, you know me, my brand of therapy is very, um comical but Mm -hmm. i use lots of metaphors because i think that it's important for us to picture what it is you know for us to have a mental picture like when i talk about the woman being thirsty versus hungry each of every person listening to this pick picture that thirsty chick that's just swallowing like just just (laughs) down and everything like we all know who she is We all know yeah. who she is. And some of us, yeah. including myself, have been that person. Have been. I was just about to say that too. Yeah, some of us have been that person. Yeah. Yeah, and maybe are right now. And the point is, recognize where you are. And once you do that, that's the choice, the power that you have, that you don't have to stay in that place. Once you yeah. see the room, you can see how to get out of it. Hello, somebody. Yeah. Like, I don't understand why we stay in a room where we can see the walls, we see the doors, we see the windows, but yet we still are feeling stuck. You know? But that's where therapy comes in. You know, that's where sisters like me come in. And that's what I was just about to say. So, like, backtracking some, because this is where you come in wholeheartedly and you came in for me, is how did you even come into this work like how did this become your livelihood not only just your career but also what you stand for as a person right I think that um I just have to go back to childhood which is you know where it all begins right but I was a go-to person in my family in my friend circle um you know and when I say family I mean adults (laughs) you know (laughs) asked asked for the youngest advice or I've always had this opportunity or this ability, I would say that this ability because I'm blessed to have it, to speak honesty and truth and maturity in situations and to to speak things in a way that people just get it. They're like, oh, okay, yeah, like I get that. And so 
but then also blessed with this dual side of not having a judge mental bone in my body. You know what yeah. I mean? Like yeah, I realize so everyone is in a, there's a, we're all on a story. This is a story. Mm -hmm. We're all telling our stories and most of our stories, if we realize they have been written out <laughs> for us, but <laughs> you know, we're following these journeys and every story has a beginning, middle and end. And there's a climax and there's a bad guy. There's all these things that come in our stories. And yeah. so when I speak to, you know, when I speak to people, I speak to you as you're on this journey and I don't care what your story was before, only to give me context of how I can help you moving forward. You get what I mean? Cool. So yes. that is who I am. That's how I've always operated. And when I realized that I could get paid for <laughs> who I am, you know, or yeah. that it, I could be legit in who I was, then that was easy. Um, my first journey was to be an attorney for kind of yeah, similar reasons. Told me that. Mm -hmm. yeah, I wanted to defend, you know, the innocent and persecute the guilty. And then I realized that you don't always find yourselves on that end of yeah. the spectrum. And so for me, therapy was an opportunity where I knew I could always choose right. Like I knew that the benefit at the end, like I could control the ending, right? And I knew that the ending of every session could be beautiful and great and fun and full of joy and optimism, even if you just came in as a victim of domestic violence, even if you just came in as, a, as someone that is trying to come out in your skin as your, as your gender identity and you've been beaten up. Whatever that is, I'm going to teach you how beautiful that really is and how through the thick of it, through this hurt, you're actually manifesting like your rawness and your awesomeness. And we don't get many people that do that, no. you know, I think that because I feel people because I'm very empathic, that is something that inspires me every single day. And when I, <laughs> it's great because when anytime someone can stop me and be like, man, doc, when you said such and such, boy, I tell you, boy, you was talking right to me and <laughs> I knew, you know, it's, it's that you don't, I don't have to break you down to build you up. I don't That's right. have to point out all your mistakes and your flaws in order for you to have retribution and forgiveness. You know, I don't have to take you through 12 steps. You know what I mean? I just talk to you like a human being and help you understand that you are human and how to be a better human. That's what it should be about. Yeah. And I think that was the one thing that I loved about doing therapy with you and continuing um, is that you have such a relatability that I had not found in other therapists. Um, and it didn't feel like, okay, I'm on this side of the couch. Like we literally sat down together and yeah. it was, there was so much that we connected through with not just my story, but me as a person that I was like, this is exactly what I needed in order to get to this side that I'm on now. And us even continuing and as you see me grow and now married and other things mm -hmm. happening it's like you have seen me really transformed right in front of your eyes and right. I have always remembered and I tell other people I'm like just being able to relate to your therapist is so it's like one of the biggest pieces of having it therapy the make, it is it makes you feel comfortable about telling my story saying what is what i'm going through asking questions so i can gain clarity you know what i mean and not feeling like you said not feeling judged 
Right. And that kind of one that you should demand and want because this is a very intimate relationship. I mean, you're telling me all your business. I mean, let's get <laughs> let's get with it. You are coming in yeah. here and telling me all your dirt, like the stuff your mama don't know, like your bottom, your ten toes down chick don't even know you did this trifling stuff and you coming in here telling me. I need you to feel comfortable about telling me. But I think when people ask me like what why is my therapy different, right, from other people's therapeutic process or other relationships? Because every therapist is different. You know, one thing about me is that I'm, and I'm accepting this and it's kind of hard, but I am a storyteller. I'm a preacher, teacher, you know, therapist. That's what I'm all of those things. And I believe in sharing personal experiences. And I think that authenticity of me as the therapist, not being afraid as the therapist to share my broken past, my bruises, to show the spaces where I have been mended, you know what I mean? To show my strength or my tattoos, so to speak, because Mm -hmm. I'm not afraid, I think, to reveal those things um, to my clients. I think that makes a difference because it makes makes me relatable. It makes me human. And I think it also shows specifically women that, dang, like she went through all that. And now she's still, right. And she still came out of it, you know, and then, Literally, I'm the authenticity is I'm telling you and guiding you based upon my steps. You know, I'm using the therapeutic strategies and the PhD and all that stuff. That's great. All that book, that book stuff is amazing. But I got to give you all that street smarts so Mm -hmm. that you can apply it. You know, and I think that's the difference between mental health back in the day and mental health now and how we've kind of seen that grow, especially with our culture, is that. We are, I think, Black therapists, such as myself, clinicians, psychologists, we are redefining what the face of therapy looks like, you know? And I think we are redefining how that can be delivered and in what ways it can be delivered. You know, um, therapy does not always have to be a position of titles. You know, your client, I'm therapist. I'm therapist, yeah. We just two women coming together to talk about some stuff. Mm-hmm. You know? mm-hmm. And I think that um, the fear that has been put into setting boundaries of therapy has always been you don't want to get too close, right? You don't want to get close to your clients. You don't want to blur those lines of boundaries. And I, and I definitely do. We have ethics and things that we have to stand by. But um, the dynamic of connection that I choose to have in my office with my client is a personal one. I am giving you a piece of me and I am, I'm giving you my best energy and taking your negative energy. And I don't know any other intimate experience, you know what I mean? Other than a relationship that you Mm -hmm. would have with another person. So I kind of laugh in the eyes of Westernized ideologies about what my relationship with my client is supposed to be, you know, I have no problem seeing my clients in the streets and saying, hey, because they have no problem saying, hey, to me. They're not ashamed that that I'm that therapist. That's not why we're even saying hi. We're we're happy to see (laughs) see each other. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And Mm -hmm. I think that's beautiful. And the fact that many of us, you know, us brown and chocolate individuals are now embracing the fact that um, mental health is not a taboo. It's an essential it's almost like soap or um, yes. water, water, water. Yeah. 
it is your brain. Like I tell people this all the time. We, you drive a car, you got to put gas in it, but then you mm-hmm. also have to get the oil changed and you have to get the tires rotated. And there are things that you have to do to your vehicle in order for it to be able to sustain the wear and tear that you are going to put it through the storms, the hurricanes, the hail, the quick stops, you know, all those things that you're going to deal with. What do you think your brain is dealing with on a regular basis? Mm -hmm. There are things that as people of color, we have always faced, but they are literally in our faces now 24-7 to find new ways of adapting to that and so I think that we have to realize we have to do maintenance on our bodies therapy is not just the mind right you want that therapist that's going to talk to you about sitting down somewhere sit down quit just hush why are you moving just how many times have you told me that in a session? <laughs> You're like, Sharifa, sit down. Just just stop. Please stop. Don't respond anymore. Just stop. Grab the invisible remote and, and push the button on you to make sure that you weren't talking anymore. Because we are so used to trying to figure out the answer immediately that we talk ourselves into a frenzy. And what a therapist does is we stop, we pause you from that cycle and we teach you how to be okay with the discomfort in that moment because that's where the answer is, you know? And so I think that women are, and women and men, you know, are generally recognizing that I need to maintain. I have to do the maintenance on my brain, which means I have to sleep like I'm supposed to. I have to eat like I'm supposed to. I have to play like I'm supposed to. I have to release like I'm supposed to. And there's no recipe for that, right? And I think that narrative has changed and that's the beauty of it. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. Please. Anglo-Saxon and European Americans have been utilizing therapeutic strategies for decades and centuries and centuries. And, you know, and at the same time, due to systemic racism and all those particular areas, that same, um, you know, same level of, of height that they've been stepping on, they flipped it and made us feel like it was a weakness for us to necessarily need the same things. And yeah. when you think about it historically, just to give you kind of perspective for a second, um, you know, as black and white women during, you know, slavery and those types of periods, we were valued um, literally by our abilities of perfection, right? Based upon mm-hmm. their definition. So whether it was strength, um, being smart was considered a handicap. Um, being able to read was considered a negative. So we had to play dumb, which when we think about it, <laughs> some of us still do. Um, and then there is this uh, system that if we did admit to any of these areas, you know, high blood pressure or, or just something simple that we were immediately devalued, uh, castrated or cast aside, raped and pillaged or killed, right? Yep for things that were told to us to be weaknesses. That mindset, unfortunately, still resonates with our cultures today, which is why, you know, men and women of color don't go to medical professionals like we should, you know, along with mental health professionals like we should. And so I think that that 
we have to look at that historical perspective to understand that there's a deeper rooted reason as to why we will rationalize ourselves out of um, saying what we need to say um, to a therapist. The catch 22 of that to kind of segue a little bit is the church because there is a different dynamic that we find there, right? Um, yes. I've worked with quite a few churches and I can honestly tell you all of the four experiences that I've had, three of them were bad. Um, and the reason they were bad is because the church thought that their principles I would allow them to come into a therapeutic space, and I do not. And there's a space for both places, both entities. There's a space for both, because as a human being, I need with a with a spiritual side of belief, which carries me and uplifts me, and I believe created me. Right, that's my belief system. Yeah. I need some answers in that spiritual realm for those spiritual questions. But let's just be real; it's some earthly things. Thanks. T H A N G S. Double S. Triple S sometimes. I'm experiencing that I can't find in John or Mark or Thelotians. I'm not finding it where I need it. And so I need some earthly answers. And sometimes it takes a therapist to translate that into earthly answers, you know. And my challenge to people in the churches, you know, in the Bible, it says it more than three times for you to seek counsel. What y'all thought they was talking about? If it tells you seek counsel of, you know, when things are not of your own understanding, that means you need to ask questions of people that understand something that you don't understand. That's all that means. And I think that the church and counseling belong together, hand in hand and not separated. And it definitely shouldn't be a competition. The spiritual things that can guide this person is wonderful, but if this person is suffering from a mental deficit, such as depression, such as anxiety, bipolar, any of the ADHD, any of those particular things, how is that person going to find the pathway to spiritual enlightenment, really be able to understand how to utilize the word and the passage if they are stuck in a depressed state? Don't worry, I'll wait. I mean, you know, I yep, it's true. It's very true. You telling me to pray? Yes. My brain has turned off my hope senses. My brain has turned off my energy and motivation senses. So I'm not not coming to church or not not praying because I don't want to pray or because I'm being blasphemous. I am having a mental health crisis where I don't even understand realistically what's going on with myself, with my emotions. It is hard for me to find the energy to even wake up in the morning, let alone try to find prayer and hope. And I think that if we can really understand that disconnect, then we can learn how to connect. Connect the together. Because yes. mm-hmm. they do belong together. Yeah, they do. Yeah. And I- and I've been noticing that the wave of, like, specifically my generation and now Gen Z, the wave of going to therapy is, that's the thing to do right now. It's like, yes. Absolutely. Going to therapy. I need to see a therapist. I need, I like, I have to. This is essential for my life. But then at the same time, you see a lot of millennials and Gen Z's not going to church. 
And so, like you said, there's a big disconnect. And it's how do we meet in the middle? Middle, because you need Jesus and you do need therapy. Like, there's no, there's no, like, oh, I'm going to take one over the other. Nah, fam, you need both. I mean, because when we think about it, and you know, I don't cross over into areas that I'm not trained in, right? Yes. But, but I read, as read, y'all. I know how to read. But, you know, even when you think about like this, Jesus had counselors around him to yes. help him with decisions and to guide. I mean, that is what I do. And when you think about who gave me the gift of understanding, Andy, of processing, yes. of not judging, I would never put myself in a biblical space at all, but we talk about the sea of forgetfulness, you know, and the ability to acknowledge our sins and be able to repent and those sins be washed, you know, in that sea. What about the fact that the mental societal piece that still is holding me accountable for that sin? How do I work through that? And that's where the therapist comes in to give you that earthly, you know, those powers that you need to work through that. So there really is a space for both places to be. And I do see a change, don't get me wrong. I definitely see a positive shift um, with it, but there still is that undercurrent of, you know, there definitely are some therapeutic ideologies that don't go along, you know, with, with the church. And I think yeah. that that's, mm-hmm. um, that's the space where the individual makes the decision to pull what they need. But I'll tell you this, Therapy cannot be money that you spend. Let me just be so clear with that. So it's funny that you said that because my next question to you was going to we were I was going to ask about affordability and like how do people deal and manage with that? Because that's another reason why a lot of people are like, oh, I'm not going to go to therapy. Who's going to spend two hundred and fifty dollars on a session? Right. Like that's your investment to yourself. Right. That was the right. best money I've ever spent on me. Not going to the gym, not spending $20 every month on crunch. That money I spent and the time that we spent together has literally made me such a better person that I can even have conversations like this and not worry about the fact that I spent so much money. But that is a barrier for a lot of people. It is. It is. And I am definitely, again, I'm not speaking to individuals that have financial difficulties. I understand that, right? There yeah. are, you know, resources they're, out they're there. They're real costly, yeah. Right. You know, there are definitely things that people have to kind of get past. But I'm speaking to folk that complain about the price of therapy, but spend their money in other places to be okay. So yeah. I'm going to call some folk out so y'all don't be upset That's because real. I'm hold this mirror up, Okay. Let me tell you something. Um, I have put on the lashes. I have seen the suits being put on, the outfits, the popping of the bottles, the car rentals, the car ownership, the bling, all of that, all of this, you know, again, snatch, grab, hey, all of that to look mm-hmm. and present like you're great. And then you go home and you unzip that outfit like the Crip Keeper honey comes out and you are just broke down, busted and broken, like all right. like all beat up and put in the corner. Why? Mm-hmm. Because we are spending money instead of investing our money. Therapy is an investment. It's not an expense. It is a, it should be a part of your bills, like your water, your electricity. And I know that sounds crazy, but it really should because this is your peace of mind let me put it to y'all like this if your mind ain't right how you gonna do anything how you gonna raise your kids take care of yourself show up for your work 
You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. be a friend, be a mom, be a dad, you know, be a pastor. Yeah. You know what I yeah. mean? Be be a teacher, be whatever you need to be if your mind is not right. That's yeah. you know what I mean? So it's 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 yeah. that thing when you look at it. Like if my knee was inflamed and I couldn't walk on it, I'm gonna go to the doctor and get some medicine and take care of my knee. Because yeah. I need my legs to get to work. But guess what? I need my brain to do my work. And if I'm distracted by hurt and pain and trauma that has rightfully been inflicted on me, you know, or if I am holding on to the hurt of people from my past that have moved on and I'm still hurting from that, that is stopping my growth. That is stopping my potential. That is stopping my power. That is stopping my energy. I'm not even getting the reciprocal force that I need from the earth because I'm blocking it all with negativity, you know, again, it's an investment. And what I find is that when you get to that therapy point where you feel like, dang, I feel good about me. I feel good about who I am, but naked. I feel good about who (laughs) I am and what I'm doing. Then, yeah, I still might want to wear my lashes, but I don't need a real expensive one. So I, I ain't got no nothing to prove to nobody. Like I'm good. I just like the book. You get what I'm saying? The, the yes. reason and the rationale behind it. And then the yes. other piece of that is this. How many times are we spending all that money on other stuff? We go out to eat, we spend money. You know, you say you can't afford stuff, but you're steadily buying and spending yes. and ordering. I mean, if I just stopped Amazon, <laughs> <laughs> Amazon love me. I love Amazon, right? If I just stopped ordering from Amazon, maybe straight up for real, at least twice a week, just did not order for two full weeks, I would have money for a therapy session. Yeah. That's you know a good what way I'm of looking at it. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. I'm just saying, like, if I choose not to have my Starbucks, mm-hmm. okay, if I choose not to have my Starbucks every morning for two weeks, I probably have enough for a therapy session. I mean, those are the things that you have to think about. And so it's about whether you're willing to make that sacrifice. When we're planning on trips, we want to go out. When it's Memorial Day, we want to hit the club. You know, we want to take trips to Miami. We want to go to ATL, DC. We want to do all these things. We made sure that we saved that money. We worked extra hours on that job. We, By any means necessary, we made sure we get those funds together. Together. And then yep. you wonder why you take your trip, you come back, you go back to work and you're just as exhausted as you were before you left for your trip. You know why? Because you didn't take a trip to my office before you went on your trip. Okay. I'm just saying. It's true. It's just, it's, it's, it's real talk. It's real yeah. talk. And so we have to start reframing how we see therapy. It has to be um, something that we see as part of our package of, of wellness and care, you know, just like a, a physical massage, I tell people who get massages, which are great ways to relieve tension. But if we haven't worked through what's really in your head, your thought processes are literally going to undo the 100 to $125 you just spent on that massage to to de-stress, the brain is the motherboard. It's going to undo all of that because you haven't worked through any of that. You go to the gym, like you were saying, you go to Crunch Gym and you go hard in the gym and then you're still just as pissed when you leave the gym, just as yeah. frustrated than you were when you got there because your mental is still hasn't found respite. It hasn't had recess. It hasn't had a chance to reset. And that's where therapists such as myself come in. Yeah, yeah. And I cannot agree 
I was just thinking, you know, like we talked about before, um, getting on, I'm going through a major transition. And so other people who are going through transitions, trying to manage that, whether it's getting out of a relationship, getting into a relationship, getting married, having a baby, going through school, whatever it is, just how do we manage that anxiety or depression or just the trauma and really get ourselves to be our best selves? How do we get there? I think that, you know, for everyone, there's so many different levels to that. So the energy that one has to pull themselves out can be different. So I'm just going to give you like some baseline things, no matter where your situation is that you can do. I think the first thing that we've got to start doing is starting our days off with on a positive. And this may be, and you're not going to laugh at me. Of course you will. But, you know, I watch the Smurfs every morning, like, and I'm not ashamed. I love you the Smurfs. You Smurfs every morning? I absolutely do. I wow. Smurfs, the Care Bears. Um, <laughs> I did not know that. Travel Rock. Yeah, it's a whole thing. Let me tell you what it is. I need a happy ending right yeah. we're living in a society where you know we have to find the happiness right in our days and that's okay you know it's okay we mm-hmm. learn how to find it but it's so easy to start your day with here we go <laughs> like that you just, so you true. just wake up and you be like Ugh, you know and mm-hmm. you're just thinking about all the things that you have to face you yeah. know and for me i like to start my day with a positive so either i watch cartoons in the morning which is you know there's always a happy ending good prevails mm-hmm. over evil yeah. and it just reminds me that there's still good still good in the world and i also have to remind myself to to be great to, to show gratitude to myself in the morning right so when i wake up um and so for some people this may be a prayer for some people it's a meditation for some people it's like all right girl you the boss, you did this, you slept good last night, you got at least five hours, now let's go on out here and take this world by storm, boo, do your thing. Right. Like sometimes that conversation that yep. you need to have to yourself. But it's really, my point is to start your morning with something good, something positive, something that makes you laugh, something that's enjoyable to you, no matter what it is, because you want to start on a good vibe. Yep. The next thing is um, throughout your day, you have to give yourself permission to pause. And I think that when we think about needing to pause or reset, we feel like we have to go through this whole process, right? And granted, yes, there's a wonderful spirituality that's associated with lighting candles and essential oils and having the right mood and, and, and chakra music and tones. There's beauty in all of that. Mm-hmm. But when I'm at work and Karen just said something to me sideways and Caleb right behind her, I need... <laughs> We need to take a little bit of a break. I need a break. I need yeah. a break right then and there. And I think yeah. it's important for us to recognize that we can't reset. So one of the things that I recommend to clients frequently um, is to invest in some lava bracelets. And these are things that you can get on Amazon. You can buy anywhere. But um, lava bracelets, you can they have little crevices in them to where they can absorb your essential oils. And it is a very smooth way of keeping essential oils on you yeah. um, at all times. So that if you're frustrated with something, you can just, you know, lift your wrist up and there's your bracelet right there. And it just automatically teaches you to have a moment. And 
anytime that we remind ourselves, you know what, let me go smell my bracelet. And I know it's a crazy statement, but I'm serious. <laughs> but it's true. In that moment where you're saying, let me go smell my bracelet. What you mm -hmm. did was you just told your brain, we're not going to cycle through this anxiety. We're not going to cycle through this anger, frustration, depression right now. Because I know I just was triggered by somebody. I'm going to use a tool that I have that probably cost me total investment, $12. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm going to find some peace in this chaotic moment right here because this person doesn't deserve to steal my peace. Yeah. So that would be my tip number two, just for midday, just being able to be okay about taking those breaks. And then number three, this is a big one. We've got to do better with our ta-da list, right? And I say that because so many times we have these to-do lists, things that we gotta do. And we, you know, I have one, I write everything down and down. I cross it out and it gives me satisfaction that I've crossed things out. And then I get to the end of the day and I'm like, dang, I had seven things on my list, only across three things out. I didn't do nothing I'm today. I got today. Yeah, nothing done. I, I suck, I, I'm gonna get fired. I, did <laughs> I was so unproductive. The Tada list is about you recognizing all the things you did that weren't on your to-do list that took your time. Like the fact that you got that phone call from that person that is technically in a higher position than you, but doesn't know how to do their job. So they needed you for clarification. So yeah. you had to answer that. Okay. Yeah. Or the fact that you had to make sure that you set those dental appointments for your kids because they got to get their teeth brushed or the fact that you had to order those groceries real quick for the community engagement that you're involved in. You're to die. It's all about all the beautiful things at the end of the day that you recognize that you bedazzled and got done. Okay. Um, so yeah. At the end of the day, celebrate your tadas, the things that you did that you didn't even realize was going to be called on you to do. And you were given the strength and the tenacity and the ability to put all of those fires out. Yeah. And when you look at it like that, you feel like you've accomplished so much more than the few things that you wrote on your sheet of paper. So I think those are three areas that I think people can do no matter what stage of emotional conflict they may be in their lives to kind of help them gain perspective. And then the last thing is this, you are the only person who knows how you feel about something. Stop letting folk dictate your fate. You define, told me that. Yes. Define who you are, put your own, you know, you're your own definition. You know what I mean? You know what it is that you like and don't like. And just because they have an issue with it, that's their issue. That's not yours. We have to live authentically, which means honestly in what we enjoy, what we love. Yeah. And that has to be kind of the baseline of how you start any relationship with anybody, whether it's a professional one or a personal one. Personal one. Mm -hmm. I like those tips. I need to work on the to-do list because I don't we do that. Do. I need to de definitely do that because my my two uh, questions that stemmed off of that was one about your community, like the people that you have around you that can support yeah. you in getting these to-do lists or things done. And right. then also to the other part of it, celebrating you for where you're at. Right. Because that's the other piece that I feel like I have noticed in the past couple, in the last year, is I have a group of people that, and you included, that truly celebrate me wherever I'm at, whether regardless of how lovely package it is or how ugly it is. Right. 
Right. And I think that's a big piece is that a lot of people feel alone. And that was one of the things that you wrote in the book that I loved so much was that just because you're not in a relationship doesn't mean that you're alone. Right. Yeah. In my book, The Hangover, the overcoming, hangover. <laughs> overcoming Emotional Addiction. Um, yes. Yeah. One of the things that I talk about is your squad, right? Because yeah. the people around you really can make or break your energy. That's just the bottom line. Like they make yeah. or break your energy because they mm -hmm. can be they can be reinforcers of your energy or they can be dementors of your energy. Yeah. For any any Harry Potter fans, y'all know what I'm talking about. They just mm -hmm. suck essence right, out of you, out of you. And, yes. and how do you identify right because a lot of particularly women ask me this like how do i identify you know these women doctorees that i need to as i say put on the shelf um <laughs> yes, yes you always say that put their butts on the shelf honey the higher the shelf the better baby um one of the things that you need to do is identify, is this a relationship of reciprocity, right? Are we Are we giving back to each other? Are we doing unto others as we would have them do unto ourselves in this, in this friendship? You know, when I call you to talk about my issue, can it stay my issue? Like, can we spend time just talking about my issue or do we start talking about your issues or does my issue become your, I mean, all of a sudden your issue is worse than my issue or you've gone through my issue before. And so it's much worse than mine. Like, I don't understand. Or do you not even have time to hear me about yeah. my issue? Yeah, that's and big. Yeah. That I tell people to pay attention to, like pay attention to um, the support that you're getting when you are not just struggling, right? But the support yeah. you get when you're successful. Because oftentimes we're like, oh, she's there for me. But is she only there for you when you're crying? Like when you're doing well or you're accepting an award or you did something successful, how there is she then or they then yeah. you know at that point. but those are things that i think you have to look at what i tell folk to do is to um identify i i use saturn right you know i love this analogy right i use saturn. <laughs> yes you do seven rings of saturn right and i talk about because seven is a very biblical and spiritual number and i'm, yeah, and I'm lucky which is a lot mm -hmm. of you know and growth and protection and so I think about Saturn and I think of all of us as being like that planet right every person we are the core planet and we have these seven rings that revolve around us and I look at us looking at our lives that these seven layers or rings represent the seven top people in our lives and we need to put them in perspective right put them in the place that they belong and sometimes that means literally taking some of the things that I just said, being like, okay, is this a friend that I can just call on whatever? And they're, you know, they're going to give me a word or is this yeah. someone that cannot handle the negativity or only wants to show up when there is negativity? You know, is this person giving to the friendship of equalness? Meaning I may have financial stability, so I'm able to help my friend out in a financial way, but they may have knowledge or time or skill set that as a friend, they can give me that. And therefore we're still contributing to the friendship equally. Is that happening? You know what I mean? Because we don't, we're not, you, you should have friends of different levels all the time. So, but are we sharing those levels with, with one another? And when you start looking at that and family, family and family, okay. When you start looking at all those things, you realize where do I need to place them in my life? Do they believe, do they need to be on the first ring of Saturn? You know, the first ring closest to me. Or do they need to be on ring number seven? 
So I think it's all about placing people in these types of relationships. The other thing that is key for relationships and finding the support is you understanding that in any relationship, and I want to repeat, in any relationship, you can renegotiate the contract of that relationship in any one of them. If I have a best friend and I don't feel like we are behaving as best friends, meaning my definition of what a best friend is has changed, let's renegotiate what this friendship is. And what I mean by the renegotiation piece is what you're doing is you're removing that piece of you that's so broken and hurt that the relationship is ruined. It's not ruined, it's changing. It's Mm -hmm. evolving. Mm -hmm. Everyone is growing differently. And as you know, as you grow, your friendship circle changes due to maturation or lack thereof. Due to the ability to want to walk into different pathways and the ability to stay where they're standing. It is not anything that you are doing personally to anyone. So it's not anyone's fault per se. So let's come together and say, you know what, friend, I'm not going to discount the fact that we rode, you know, we, we, we rode hard. You was my ride or die. We did this and this, but our lives are changing. You're going into a different direction. I'm going into this direction. How can we still maintain and meet each other where we need, where we need to meet each other? And that's what it is. It's not about being like, oh, she ain't my best friend no more. She with that rah-rah. She ain't my friend. She ain't got time for me. She maybe doesn't have time to invest that level of commitment to the friendship because she or whomever has other things. Yeah. That's fine. Yeah. That's growth. That's life. You know, you so a really good point about communicating. Yeah. Being able to yeah. say, you know what, sis, that's okay. I, I see you got a lot on your plate. So I'm going to, you know, adjust my expectations so that ain't nobody disappointed in this thing. That's right. That's right. And, you know, that, that, you know, that comes with adulting, you know, um, (laughs) our favorite thing in the world to do comes with adulting. But I think that like those areas are, I think some things that people, if we just focus on, if we could just work on those like four things, can you imagine? Imagine (laughs) our relationships, our lives will look completely different. Yeah. Such level. Yeah. Definitely. And it starts with things simple like that. And then if you find that it gets a little deeper, you know, that's why we're here. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So students, because I remember when I first came to you, I was still in school. I was, I hadn't even graduated yet. And, um, now I've graduated and still studying for these boards. So help me. But, um, students who want to get into psychology right now, everybody wants to get into mental health and psychology and want to learn more. And And I wish everybody wouldn't. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) I was not expecting that. that. Forget that. No, you are not finna hear this kumbaya. Yes, everyone reach one. No, 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 no. Baby, let me tell you something. This career field is not for the faint of heart. We have the responsibility as clinicians. Do you understand that I change people's minds? Like, let's, let's think about that. You know, we talk about the power of medical doctors. And, you know, as a mental health profession, we are like... It's so it's so bad because we we get treated like the dang barnacles on the bottom of the sea, you know. But yes. we're the ones that keep your mind right so that there can even be a sea, you know. So it's kind of mm-hmm. it's kind of crazy that we're treated that way. Um, but like, put it like this: just because you have a story doesn't mean that your testimony needs to come through a therapeutic space. Okay. No offense. Ooh, okay. 
Yeah. That, that's all I'm going to say. There's, there's, a, there's a space for those places, right? Yes. There are spaces for that. And, and the responsibility to me personally, knowing that I shape and mold the way a person feels about themselves and ultimately about how they allow the world to treat them, which ultimately means that I have a impact on an individual's personality, one of the most sacred things that they've been given. Yes. I take that very seriously. seriously. That, is, that is not about me going through a struggle. That is not about even how many tests I've passed because the degree capability it does not make, okay? Um, yeah. There is a huge responsibility that comes with being a therapist and yeah. continuity and caring about the heart, mind, and soul of a person that's in front of you because you're impacting their lives, their spouse's lives, their parents' lives, their kids' lives. You know, I, I, People yeah. need to stop playing, man. This is not yeah. a game. Game, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. Number one. Number two. No, it don't pay nothing. I'ma tell y'all. I'm just gonna be honest with y'all, man. This saying, y'all said, y'all heard what she said. I am. I'm all those things. You know why I'm all those Lord. things? Because <laughs> just being a therapist don't pay enough. <laughs> Doctor E said, I need to open my own practice. I need right. to teach. I need to right. write a book, and right. I also need to be on Channel Ten News right. because nine. it doesn't pay. Right. News yeah. Nine. Right. Yes. All these things. Because, you know, being a therapist is hard. Being a black therapist is harder, right? Yes. Um, yeah. I've definitely seen therapists, um, you know, white therapists whom I've helped get started surpass me professionally. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so I understand those feelings. Absolutely. Yeah. But I also know that this is my calling. And so I don't give up or, get, or give in to anything. This is what I'm supposed to do. This is who I am. And so I'm going to keep doing it. But this is not for the faint you know, for faint of heart, this is not for fortune and glory, you know, no, you know, and I mean this the way I, the way I say it, you know, Dr. Phil, that's, that's, that's not real. That's not, that's not real stuff. That's not real therapy that's taking place. Sorry for y'all that, that, that's, that's your boo. I'm sorry, but I'm just being a hundred with you. Being a therapist takes work. It's not sitting on the stage with a cue card and asking yeah. questions and getting applauses for answers. It's doing work. It's crying. Your therapist getting in there with you. You know, it's it's me calling you out and and checking you like hardcore checking you and then hugging you at the same time and making you feel safe in the space that you feel the most vulnerable. That is what I do. Everybody can't do that. Yeah. You know, and everybody shouldn't. And so I think that we are living in a world where the saturation is so overwhelming right now. And I think it's important for people to look at the historical perspective of your therapist. Look at their groundwork, see what they're doing in the community. Are they involved? Are they putting out literature or videos or content to where you can see what they're about? You know, that's important because it separates the therapist, the one that genuinely wants to give, the one that genuinely cares about human life and human mental versus the one that genuinely cares about their pockets. It's a different vibe of the ones that care, right? And I think that that is the piece in looking for students who are going into this field. You do not go into this field to change the world. You go into this field to impact one individual at a time. That's what you go into this for. And knowing that by doing that, you in essence do change the world, right? This is not for the faint of heart. You can't be no punk. 
and be no therapist, right? You can't. You also have to understand your own biases, your own hangups, your own emotional traumas. You cannot be above going to therapy yourself. I have gone to therapy several times throughout my life to work through my own issues and it's been successful and great because not only did I learn what to do, I definitely learned what not to do as a therapist, yeah. right? Because you you sit on that on that other end, you get that concept. But for people who really want to do this work, I would say this. Recognize that you have a responsibility. Um, know that education and licensure is necessary to be successful. Absolutely, it is what it is. Do you yeah. need a PhD to do well in this field? No, you don't. Does it help? Yes. As a black woman, absolutely, right? Absolutely. There's different mm -hmm. standards and we have to be honest about that. Um, however, um, you also have to know how to set boundaries. You also have to know when to unplug as a therapist. Um, you know me, I will shut my office doors yes. down down yes quick. you do quick when my mother was sick and going through things two weeks i'm out i couldn't find hope myself right so how am i going to give hope to my people yes yeah. so i recognize that and i'm not going to give y'all toxic energy that's the type of therapist you want right the ones that's going to be able to tell you like i can't therapize you today very rewarding job and field to be in but the reward can't just be the money and I'm just gonna put it like that the reward has to be the impact and the fact that you get to save lives because that's what I feel that I do I yeah. save lives that society is trying to ruin that the devil is trying to ruin that their parents is trying to ruin you know that their mate yeah. is trying to ruin like I said that you know that the man is trying to ruin, I save lives. And so for yeah. me, that's a huge feat. I pray for the day that therapists are given the same respect as, yes, as a doctor, as a yeah. doctor, as a medical profession, profession. you know, yes. I can reset the way that you think and you question my price. This person resets your bone. And you don't question it at all. Or you get all. you still get upset because you have to pay it, but you still go because you know it's necessary. You yeah. know it's necessary. So yeah. So yeah. Three three things before we close, because I definitely want to touch base on Sapphire Pathways because that is amazing work in and of itself that I don't even think we got a chance to really talk no, about. No, and I and, if, and I really wanna if you don't mind, can we save that? Yeah, we can always we can always table that and come back. Yeah. yeah. I do yeah. because we are in the birthing stages of that, okay. but there has been some blessings that are gonna be coming. So I feel like towards the end of this year I'm gonna have like a whole program. Okay. And like places for people to call and get services. Um, and that was so that in that segues into the second thing I was gonna ask you about is resources yeah. because that's another thing, um, especially because you're local and we are in Sarasota, Florida, but um, you know, just you've been all over. So yeah. resources that people can tap into and get into, um, so that there is that people know one that there's resources out there for you that you can talk to somebody. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm always going to go, I don't, I'm not a person to toot my own horn first. So I always go to 211.org. I mean, that has been a resource that I has you, I have used as a mental health professional since I came, you know, since I first got, came out the womb as being a mm-hmm. therapist. And, you know, you can go to 211.org or you can genuinely just call 211, just like you would 911. And an operator will ask you like what zip codes you're in, where you're located, what state, and then they'll, you know, take a few questions, you know, uh, ask you a few questions about what you're looking for, what services you need, and they will, you know, connect you. Now, granted, people, we know that services have their ups and downs, that there's IDs and certain things required, but we can't complain about things when we're not making any efforts to make any phone calls, right? And so- The bottom line is this, um, you can't complain without a plan. So reaching out to 211 is going to be beneficial. Um, also note that most clinicians that are licensed in the state of Florida, such as myself, we can provide services throughout the whole state of Florida. So even though you're not located in St. Pete, um, yeah. Smile Psychology and Associates provide services for people throughout the entire state of Florida. And so we have virtual you know, sessions yeah. that we can provide. We have phone sessions that we can provide. I even have email sessions that I do for people that are super, super busy and are like, I just want to be able to send an email to you and you respond to me. Can we do that? Yes. You know, it's it's about, again, me reaching people where they are. And I have to say that's been the silver lining in COVID, honestly, is yeah. that there has been so much of a acknowledgement of using virtual opportunities to still stay connected and communicate and get things done. Um, so I think that that's really important is to understand that we do bounce across. I think the other thing is psychology today. That's a very good resource to use. Again, these are the resources that I will use myself, right? Psychology today is great for two reasons. Number one, you can just go to psychologytoday.com and there's tons of articles, self-help articles written by professionals to kind of help get you started on your journey if you're trying to figure out what you need. But then also you can do psychology today, find a therapist, find a black therapist, find an Indian therapist. And you can literally narrow down a therapist based upon not only what they specialize in, but also the color of their skin. And so this, this narrative is kind of removed. What is it? Therapy for black girls is another platform that I am also on. Therapy for black girls is amazing. It is you know, it is all therapists of color on there specializing in all types of different things to help people find, you know, their match. There is a time for excuses and this is not it. Like this is the time for us to recognize that we can reach out and find these resources and get these connections, you know, and that there are these platforms that are out there that are waiting for us, you know, to, 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 to get what we need. And I would say, um, if let's say financially, if you have a difficult time paying for therapy, right. Um, don't be afraid to ask that therapist that you want to work with, you know, do you offer a sliding scale? Do you, um, have any discounts? Are there opportunities for me to, Um, use any other resources. Like at my practice, we just partnered with Advocate, which is a resource. Right. Which is a resource that helps um, individuals pay lower prices. Lower prices. Yeah. So let's say you come in and the session is 175. The way it works at Advocate, just to give your viewers an idea, is that they may have to pay 
five times or four times that price. And then after that, their session is like 40 bucks Bucks. Mm -hmm. from there on. Yeah. I mean, when you think about that, mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's brilliant. And what they do is they go through your insurance and they basically, you know, ask for you to pay out your copay. That's where that, that money comes from. It and comes then after from. that, you get that discounted rate. But what's so beautiful about it is that the therapist still gets what they're worth. Right. And that's something that is beneficial because as a therapist, just to be clear, there's a duality in this relationship. You want your therapist to be um, empathetic. You want them to be genuine. You want them to be non-judgmental and open. But you also want a therapist that knows their worth, yeah. that knows their stuff. Oh. And finding a good therapist that knows their stuff means that you pay for what you quality, you pay for what you want. And I think it's the same with anything, with anything else you pay for the service that you want. And so it also allows us as therapists to demand the worth that we have and still allows us to have that connection with the client. So that's something I definitely would recommend um, for you all as well. For those of you that may be struggling with financial means that's an option too. An option. Okay, last thing before we close. Therapy and men. Okay. Therapy so, and yeah. men. Therapy and men. Um, let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, she sat up straight. I already know what that means. <laughs> okay. This is the deal. And I mean, this is the bottom line. Women have always been given permission to communicate. That's, we've always been told to communicate, to talk about our issues. Men have constantly been taught that communication, um, emotionality is some type of weakness. There is definitely an increase in men reaching out for help. I do have a lot, quite a few clients that are males um, mm -hmm. that want to speak with me, even more so, I think, because they're looking for, they, th they think they're getting a gentle uh, individual, you know, when they pick a woman to be their therapist, but then they be like, nah, Dr. And East they get hit with the one, two. <laughs> and I think that's also what they appreciate is that I have this, I, I have a lot of masculine energy and I'm okay with that. Like I, I, I definitely embrace my masculine, my anima and my animus, you know, I embrace all of that. All of and it. I think for that, that's been a good matching as far as men reaching out. But I think that we have to recognize that men are dealing with the next level of guilt from just from a male perspective when it comes to therapy. You know, so we have just being black, right, as being a piece that is difficult. But then being black and being male is also a piece that is difficult because that comes with its own ideologies and expectations not only from a historical perspective, but in, in current community. Current time, yeah. In current time. So I think that that has always been an issue, especially for the male to, to admit that there's this, what is considered a weakness that they are experiencing. Um, and for them, it's like, well, I can't, you know, if I admit this, that means that I'm not a man, that I'm not capable of taking care of my household. Or I'm, or I'm weak and I can't hold my woman up or I can't hold my family up or I, I can't, you know, have my sister's back like I need to because I'm going through something. No, my brother, what that means is that you're human. The H-U comes in front of the M-A-N, sir. Check the box. You're human, right? Yeah. And when I talk to men, this is what I tell them, especially the ones that have like really nice physiques. Yes. <laughs> So when I talk to men and I'm like, listen, 
in order for you to get your body to the space that you wanted to, right, to get them quads and them glutes and them pecs where you needed to be, what did you do? And they was like, I worked out. Yeah, but you didn't just work out. What'd you do? Discipline. I disciplined myself. I went to the gym. I learned what works for my body. I changed the way I eat. I changed. Oh, wait a minute. You changed. Mm. You put things in place. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's the same thing I'm asking you to do with me. Yeah. Is to put things in place. Have you ever recognized, sir, that maybe the reason why you feel like you need to go so hard in the gym is because you're trying to work through that mental piece? Uh-oh. And that's why you grunting and yelling and screaming and hollering and stuff like that? Not grunting, screaming, and hollering. You be hearing them. It's true. It is absolutely true. Example. But really for the men, it's about us. It's about us, right? My masculine side. It's about us. Um, <laughs> it's about them recognizing that there is only strength in acknowledging the spaces that you need accommodations. Woo! Hello, somebody. There is only strength in acknowledging the spaces that you need accommodations. We need to run that back one more time. One, one more time. There is there only, is only strength. strength. Where it go? Wait, let me write it down. There is only strength in acknowledging the spaces where you need accommodations. Girl, send it to me too, child, so I can put it on Facebook. <laughs> but um, that's a hashtag right there. Huh? That is a hashtag. There is only strength in acknowledging the spaces. The spaces where we need accommodations. Yep. Need accommodation. And that's the truth. We are seeing everything as a struggle, right? Oh, Monday, the struggle is real. Struggle has a negative connotation to it. We have to start visualizing things as challenges, right? As black people, we see things as challenges. Mm -hmm. You know, and when you see something as a challenge, it's just a different type of bravado that comes up when you're being challenged. You're like, oh, okay, watch me work. I'm being challenged. Yeah, it's true. Mm -hmm. right? So it's about changing the narrative of the struggle to the challenge, but also recognizing I don't have a weakness. I just need an accommodation. Now, if I have a weakness, that means I've given up and given in to whatever it is. If I have an accommodation, that means I need to do research to find out what I need to help make me stronger. Hello, somebody. That's what we have to do, which is yeah. why I say I'm a preacher, teacher, therapist, and you know, all that <laughs> stuff like that. All. But that's really when it comes down to men. It, to, to me, it's about the mindset of them reframing how they see things. You know, just yeah. like men will accommodate, you know, or we all accommodate for lack thereof or things that we see that aren't strong. We also have to see that our mental health is something that we can accommodate for, sure. you know. And sometimes those accommodations are very simple. And let me be very clear, people. Accommodations don't have to include medication, Accommodations just could be talking and processing, letting go of some people, closure. I'm not here to drug you up. I can, but that's not what I'm here for. For, yeah. You know? Yeah. And I think recognizing that there's all these multi multifaceted ways that black therapists help support the mind. We use aromatherapy. Um, I am an avid supporter of cannabis appropriately used you know, for healing. And so I provide education and letters for that. These are things that we have to do as a people to start legitimizing what has been legitimized for other people for centuries and continue to be used by others every day to make sure that their lives and jobs and things are secure. So why aren't we making sure that we are secure too? Yeah. Reframe, change the narrative and ultimately recognize 
that by you building strength, you have to recognize that something is weak in order for you to build it up, right? You have to recognize that something is off. And that is the power instead of walking around in weakness. Um, that, um, you have any last thing you want to leave us with? Because that was, that was it. That you just literally dropped the mic and I'm like, Ooh, I can't, when I say I can't thank you enough, you know, I love you and I love this. This is me. I, this is what I do. This is this what, is I, what this you is do. Who I am. And that's why I said today, today was all about you and us learning because I feel like even though we've had this relationship for a while, I'm still learning and I'm still growing and you uh, are teaching me every day. I'm looking at stuff that you're doing and I'm like, dang, Dr. E, this is good. This is real good. <laughs> and today, today was real good. Like <laughs> I needed this. <laughs> the people needed this because we're on the, the Sunday social hours on a journey in terms of yeah. the next couple weeks. Um, we're talking about all things health and this is how I wanted to start off and I wanted us to really get our minds in a good space and learn yes. about what we need in order for us to live healthy, loving, exciting lives. And we can't do that if we're not right. No. So, and I mean, this is something that is beneficial, though, not just for even you and the audience, but for me as well, because, you know, I... I feel that therapy is a dual role. You know, I tell people all the time, I just like I pour, I pull, right? And so only by me having a pulse on what's going on with people um, and ultimately having a pulse on what's going on with myself, am I able to really continue to do this work the right way? Yeah. Good. You know, and if everyone could just remember that you're human first, you know, like you're human first. first. Like, if we just keep, like, I'm human, you know, I think that that will help change the, change the narrative, you know, for a lot of people. So thank you so much for this today. I enjoyed it. Thank you so much. Um, I appreciate you very, very much. Everybody needs to go follow Dr. E Speaks. Um, yes. Look and, up that um, book. Yes, definitely. So people can check me out um, with Smile Psychology and Associates. So. Yes. Um, is um, you honestly? I ain't trying to be funny. Google me, honey, and yeah, you can, for real. And you can pull for real because you got a lot of accolades behind you. There's a lot going on here, but Smile Psychology and Associates is my baby. I have a few projects that I'm working on, like Doctor E Speaks and Sapphire Woman Pathways, and you know, stay tuned, everybody, for those because that's when some more literature and some more speaking and opportunities will be coming out. But you know, it's really all about making connections and finding someone that you vibe with and then recognizing that you're investing in yourself. And this is the deal. We're not supposed to be together forever, right? Our therapeutic yes. relationship is supposed to be one that comes and goes and ebbs and flows. But the lessons and the things that you can take from you that you that you carry with you for the rest of your life, now that when they say it's priceless, those commercials are priceless, yes. that's priceless. Yes. Your peace of mind, your P-E-A-C-E, that is priceless. Yes. So know your worth. People know, know your worth. worth. Ooh, that there it is. That's the last thing. Know your worth. I love it. I absolutely love it. Dr. E, thank you so much for spending time You're with us. You're welcome. You're welcome. I, I love enjoyed you. it. I love you.
so much and <laughs> we will keep in touch soon of course we will of course yes. we will yeah so i'm gonna get ready to take this boy this birthday party and be a mama susanna the, the everybody. Now everybody. <laughs> Have so much fun and we'll talk soon. All right, I love you. Love you too. Okay, bye. Bye.